This is a Triple J podcast. Hey, welcome to The Shake Up. I'm Dave Marchese here to wrap up the week on Hack. Hope we're feeling pretty good. Whatever the week's had in store for you, whether it's been intense, low-key, a bit of both probably, now's the chance to have a bit of a look back on some of the headlines of the week. Here's a taste of what's coming up. Hack. Groove in the Moon has been cancelled and I'm not even surprised. In some cases have been threatened with a code of conduct complaint for stealing agency time. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. Love was in the air, especially for Anthony Albanese. On Triple J. Yeah, music, romance, toilet breaks, we've got it all. We're talking about everything. There's something in this for you, and I want to hear from you. So make sure you hit the text line, you call in as well. One of the things we are getting into later is ridiculous rules that you may have had in the workplace, whether it's your current job or your first job in the past, something. Something so bizarre or petty that a boss has cracked down on. Maybe there was an object, a food item that was banned, outlawed, you never understood why. Message in 0439757555. We'll be getting into that one really soon. But before we do that, it's time to meet the Shake Up crew. And we've got two excellent people with us today, as always, as always excellent. First, journalist, writer, Elfie Scott. Hello. Hi, Dave. It's so nice to see the 2024 Elfie Scott after, you know, you helped us farewell 2023. Does she look different? <laughs> Looks better than ever. Wow. Can I okay. say? Feels worse than ever, but <laughs> thank you. I really nah, appreciate that. you're glowing. You're glowing. Did you have a nice break? Ready for this year? I had a lovely break, actually. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but I was telling Michael before that my entire afternoon was spent just like baking a cake today. So I'm in like weird <laughs> goblin mode. I apologize. <laughs> no, you're, you're pulling it off well, I must say. And that brings us to... Well, hold on, that was a weird segue. That was like, and from Goblin to our next guest. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Another brilliant person, incredible mind, culture writer, producer at Guardian Australia, Michael Sun. How are you? I'm good. And honestly, I don't hate the Goblin comparison. Oh. Like, that kind of is how I feel at all times, <laughs> especially right now. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of really exciting we've got you two in the studio because there's this other thing that's apparently going on. Some small indie musicians got some shows in Melbourne this weekend, Tanya Smith or something. <laughs> uh, like, are you keen for it? Did you hear about it? Well, <laughs> at The Guardian, we're actually doing a live vlog about Taylor Swift. <laughs> so my entire world has been this one musician for a very, very long time. Wow. I am actually seeing her in Sydney, though, next Sunday. Okay. Well, so I'm, I am a little bit excited. Okay. Well, this is a good transition into our first topic, actually, because it's all about live music in Australia. Hack. Put your jorts and your bum bags back in the closet where they belong because you're not going on Triple J. Yeah, it does seem a bit weird, doesn't it? This juxtaposition of these two big music stories this week. The Australian leg of Taylor Swift's Errors Tour kicking off, smashing records, people paying thousands of dollars for tickets, merch. And then the sad news that one of our best-known loved music festivals, Groove in the Moo, was being axed this year because of poor ticket sales. Complete opposite situation. It raises a lot of questions about live music in Australia, big events generally, and how to capture young audiences. And I guess, what is the future of music festivals here? 
Hack. Obviously not a great day for Australian music. Groove in the Move is cancelled. The music festival's team says ticket sales haven't been strong enough to hold the tour this year and those who have bought tickets will be automatically refunded. I genuinely think I have never been this nervous about the direction in which the Australian music industry is headed. Could perhaps the government decide to put a bit more money into the arts? We are just hours away from Taylor taking the stage at the biggest stadium she's ever played. So, so excited. It's been a long time coming. On Triple Jack. Yeah, keen to hear your thoughts on this one. If you're a festival lover, what is it that gets you going back year after year? You're probably pretty disappointed with this Groover news. Or if you're someone that's kind of stopped going to festivals, I'm intrigued to know why. Is something different about the experience or something has changed about, you know, music lovers in Australia generally? Or it's just a cost you can't justify? Call in 1300 0 356. You can message in as well 0439 757 Need to get into it with the Shake Up crew. We've got journalists Elfie Scott and Michael Sun. Elfie, proven the moo. Sad news it was cancelled this year. You a bit of a festival person, have been in the past? I have been in the past. Uh, I am not so much a festival person anymore on the basis that I am incredibly old. No. So, <laughs> and I get very tired. Uh, but that being said, I am really sad to hear this news because I did go to Groove in the Moo a couple of times and I always thought it was a fantastic festival. I, I went a couple of times in Canberra and I love that they have that scope to be able to go to regional cities yeah. and really bring uh, that festival experience to people who may not have immediate access to it otherwise. Were you surprised, Mikey, by this news? I think I was a little bit surprised because, you know, Groovin is kind of almost an institution, right? It's yeah. like, it is it is pretty much like the flagship regional Australian music festival. And like you, Elfie, I've been to a couple in the past in, in, in Canberra, which I think is where most of the Sydney people tend to go to Groovin. Um, but it has just been running for such a long time and each lineup, you know, always celebrates Australian music front and centre. And I think it is kind of sad that they had to cancel this year. Although, as I'm sure we'll talk about as well, it is also only one of the latest in a long string of festival cancellations. Well, yeah, I was going to bring up, obviously, not just Groovin, but we had Falls Festival last year, uh, other festivals cancelling, like, across the board. But then stuff like Splendour reporting low ticket mm. sales last year. Even Coachella has been reporting uh, really slow ticket sales. It's slowest in 10 years uh, last month. So just really full-on stuff. Elfie, there's definitely something going Going on here, and it's obviously not just Australia either. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cost of living has to factor into this so heavily, right? Because when you're buying a festival ticket, you're committing generally to that sort of like three or four day experience. I know that you can buy single day tickets, but a lot of people don't tend to. And, you know, it's a whole thing about camping and going somewhere. So, yeah, I think that the fact that we're just so stretched right now has really impacted the festival scene. Do you think it is just the cost, Mikey, or do you think there's a bit more to this? whether it's, you know, the culture of um, seeing live gives, gigs has changed maybe since COVID as well? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, like the cost is definitely probably the primary factor, right? Because mm. I think even if you look at the entirety of the art sector, like outside of just live music, when you're looking at theatre, when you're looking at any kind of live performance, ticket sales and especially first week or second week ticket sales are much, much, much lower across the industry just, just because people don't, 
have the the, the same mindset as they did pre-COVID of, you know, logging on in the exact second and yeah. all rushing in to buy tickets. I say this as I obviously know that that's the experience we all had buying Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> it's um, weird though when you compare the two, right? It's like obviously people still have money to burn mm. on big events because people have just forked out all this money, thousands of dollars, not just on tickets but on merch, on travel, on everything to get to Taylor. Uh, why do you think we're seeing this shift with Australian music? Or do you think it's a shift, Mikey? I do think it's a shift. I think it's also because maybe people's music tastes are getting less homogenous. This, this is mm. kind of galaxy brain theory okay. for no, me no, now. No, 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 go, go, go. But, but I do feel like <laughs> if you think about, you know, the the early 2010s or even like in Spotify's nascent era, mm. you know, I think... Oh, nice drop of nascent. <laughs> that was really Thank you, thank you. Yes. It was in my brain the whole time. He's good, we'll give him that. I said, what am I going to say? The word nascent and there it is. Um, <laughs> but when I first started, I feel like, you know, people people's sense of music discovery was very different 10 years ago to what it is now. That's not a new point at all, obviously. Um, but I think especially now, people's music tastes seem much more quote-unquote atomized sorry i'm gonna (laughs) another word that i was desperate to use obviously (laughs) um it does feel as if people's music tastes are now um so dispersed because of the fact that each person's algorithm is so different and it's kind of feeding them like it's it's feeding them into these like various silos of music tastes and i think as a result it's really difficult for a festival to kind of cater to a really broad audience right now like how can you have a festival that caters towards every single little niche in the music industry and every single audience member, I feel like it kind of feels like a Herculean task almost. And I think as a result, people are very much still buying tickets to singular artists that they care about, like Taylor, even, you know, someone like Gracie Abrams Mm. in Melbourne had huge, huge, huge demand and people are still buying tickets to individual artists they care about. But I wonder if festivals are going to be a harder sell in the future, unfortunately. Maybe. And, like, it's important to point out as well, like, it's not um, all festivals that are struggling and stuff. Like, Laneway had some massive success just recently, like, continues to um, do incredible things, sell tickets right around the country. We've got someone on the phone now. Georgia has called in from Victoria who was looking forward to Groove in the Mood. Georgia, had you already bought your tickets? Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. Um, yeah. It's it sucks, right? Like, because you you already had them there, sitting there. You were one like because the the news was surprising because it happened just quite soon after the tickets went on sale. Um, were you planning to go with a bunch of friends? Was it something? Have you been to Groovin before? Um, no. And I was so excited because my older sister used to go all the time, and I was going to go with my best friend. But then it got cancelled. Where do you live, Georgia? Like, is it really hard to kind of see live music where you are generally? Yeah, I live in, like, regional Victoria, Dunkeld. So I live quite far away. Right, okay. Well, really sad news, I guess. And especially when you're planning it, you've been looking forward to it for so long. We're hearing that loud and clear on the text line as well. Someone says festivals need to get like the big day out was and secure a few acts that people would pay the money to see anyway. I don't want to lose festivals in Australia. That's someone's thoughts there. Another person says, with the cost of living, I can't justify the ticket prices for festivals. Someone else, I still love live music as much as ever. If anything, I'm just hungrier for it after COVID and the lockdowns. 
but I just can't justify the rising price of tickets paired with the cost of living. So lots of comments there about the cost of going to these events. Obviously, a lot of disappointment from people like Georgia who called in. Georgia, thank you for calling in with your experience, who had already bought the tickets. That's the worst thing, right? When you've already made the plan and then you can't go. I did see, Elfie, some really good analysis of this situation on Z feed. And I was watching, they were saying, the difference now is that audiences are after more from big events. Increasingly, they see live music as a content opportunity rather than a cultural experience. That is such an interesting analysis. And look, I do get that from the experience of going to arena shows because when you go there, it really is just this like all-encompassing, huge experience that you're having. But I also don't understand how you can't have that necessarily at a festival because I remember like some of the definitive cultural experiences of my 20s are nefarious, obviously. (laughs) But, you know, they were at festivals and they were having that kind of really, uh, yeah, that just really energetic kind of feeling to them. And yeah, I, I, I'm surprised to some extent, but I do, I do understand the argument. Do you think also, obviously, buying habits have changed? Like, Mikey, are you one of those people that waits to the last minute to buy your tickets to something now? And is this like a hangover from the COVID years where people were disappointed a lot of the time, like Georgia has just been this week, where you would buy tickets, look forward to it, and then there were cancellations and people were really stuffed around a bit? Look, I'm insane. So you best believe I am logging on at 10.01 a.m. when the tickets <laughs> drop at really? 10. Yeah, like, I'm truly, like, I need to be there, <laughs> especially if it's an artist I care about. But again, like as I was saying earlier, I fully understand that people, you know, especially with the cost of living crisis, people may not want to do that because they want to see, you know, whether they can actually afford it down the line. People don't want to drop, you know, hundreds of dollars up front for something that they don't know if all their friends are going to go to, for example, mm. or perhaps hasn't proven or hasn't been proven by by the test of time. Someone on the text line, Laura from Hobart, says not knowing how much tickets are before they're released, it's just hard. Not to mention being from Tassie, having to pay airfares, accommodation, Mm. transport to get there. Someone else says the cities bump up accommodation and other costs when a big event or festival happens in South Australia anyways. That's someone's comment there. And another person says, I love music festivals, but I'm sick of seeing the waste that's left behind. That's a big issue for me, sustainability and the environment needs to be more of a focus. Uh, The other thing, Mikey, is just the sheer expense of putting on something like this, which I imagine, you know, you know a lot about. You've been speaking to people in the music industry about what it costs to actually put on a live event. Yes. And I think that that is an area where people perhaps, you know, the regular punter maybe like has less knowledge and less literacy around because it is so, so damn expensive Mm. to put on any kind of live performance, live music event. You know, I saw a comment um, in 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 the Groove in the Mood cancellation post, which said something like, along the lines of, you know, like, why couldn't they just have brought out Doja Cat? It would have just cost them 10K. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that. And one. I'm like, $10,000. Sure. <laughs> You, you couldn't even book Dave Marquez for $10,000. You absolutely could. And bookings are open. So, no, bookings are not open, by the way. Um, but no, it is it is interesting, people's perception of what it costs to put on an event like this. I have to ask Elfie, Taylor, are you going to be heading along? No, I'm not heading along to Taylor. Look, mm. I was saying to Mikey before, there is a possibility I will rent out the documentary and watch it in my day. <laughs> 
in my living room. That is the worst response. But yeah, <laughs> it is actually. I'm not going. I'm so sorry. Oh well, hey, it's going to be intense coverage over the next few weeks. I can imagine. Mikey's ready for it. Got the live blog open, ready to go. Spare a thought for the struggling culture journalists who are in the trenches right now. <laughs> so much going on. All right, time to move on, though. Hack. I've noticed perhaps she's been in the loo a few more times recently. I'm not even going to say anything. Like, it, that's not my business. On Triple J. Oh, yeah, this story really kicked off this week. What could have been a pretty boring session in Parliament where bureaucrats are grilled by politicians on how departments and agencies are spending taxpayer money turned out to be a little more interesting when the focus turned to toilet breaks, specifically for Centrelink staff, with allegations of five-minute toilet breaks and a public shaming for those who go over. Hack. I guess I was pretty stunned to learn that Service Australia is timing toilet breaks. When people are not available to actually be answering calls, they need to signal that. Any minutes over that five minutes is in some cases being put up on a whiteboard. The reality is if you're in a situation where your manager is speaking to you about how long you're taking a personal break, it's a pretty embarrassing situation. Monitoring just by minutes and what people are doing within those minutes can only lead to micromanagement, which leads to distrust. On Triple J. Yeah, what do we think of this one? Services Australia, which is the department in charge of Centrelink, denies this is happening, saying the toilet break timing thing is a myth. But people did get in touch saying, no, I had this at my job. And people with other intense rules they need to stick to at work. So I do want to know, what is the strange rule that your boss has had? The petty crackdown at your workplace? Maybe it's something that was banned or you just really didn't understand. Call in 1300 0 536. You can message in as well, 0439 757 also, if you work in a call centre and can tell us what that experience is like, if this makes sense to you, let us know. It's The Shake Up on Hack. I'm Dave Marchese, joined by writer, journalist Elfie Scott, Michael's son from Guardian Australia. Elfie, is five minutes long enough to go to the bathroom? As an IBS girlie, no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> But I will also say I used to work in a call centre and they used to try and enforce this as well. Yeah? It was outrageous. So you've had this experience. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's like, it's just ridiculous. And what I will say is that if your management and workplace is so poor as an experience for workers that they're choosing to like take more time out in the bathroom, that's a problem for you. It's not a problem for your employees. Yeah, right. Mikey, what did you make of this story? Okay, well, first of all, Elfie, thank you so much for making a fellow <laughs> IBS girl feel seen. We need longer in the bathroom. Like, I'm going to say it. Um, and a whole bunch of messages coming through from people saying, oh, what about, you know, if you've got a disability, if there's a condition that, like, you might make it a lot harder to do this. Of course. And five minutes is no time. I know. Five minutes is not enough to do number one even sometimes. <laughs> I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly onwards. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like, you know, if, like, if you are an employer and you are so concerned about losing an extra five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of time from your staff, you need to hire more staff, especially as a government agency. I'm like, you need to be putting more resources and just hiring more staff if you can't cope with a 10 minute gap in someone's employment. We do have people messaging in saying, hold on, it's important to remember that it wasn't five minutes a day, that it was five minutes an hour uh, away from your desk that you were allowed. And some people are saying, oh, well, some employees may 
take the piss for a uh, want of a better term <laughs> and may go a bit longer. Elfie, is it fair enough that our bosses may need to keep track and because some workers may be out there doing other stuff, having a vape? Go- <laughs> no. Um, I'm so anti-authority just in my heart <laughs> and so this really riles me up. But if the work is getting done, mm-hmm. it literally doesn't matter. I just I can't see the relevance of this argument. You can't keep me chained to a desk. I am going to walk around and I'm going to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of messages coming through people's uh, weird rules and things they had to abide to at work. Someone says toaster was banned because of breadcrumbs, huh? which seems really intense. No, Come wait, on. I get that actually. Actually. No, you My don't. My boyfriend never cleans the crumbs <laughs> off the counter and can I tell you, that is a burden. God, it's annoying, but toast, come <laughs> on. Someone else says, boss told us we weren't allowed to talk about Love Island. <laughs> a blanket ban on Love Island chat. <laughs> That might really impact the Triple J office. Someone else says, my ex-boss randomly decided we weren't allowed to take our phones into the toilet and made us leave them in the centre of the room when we had to go. Oh, my God. Oh. Would would this be an issue, Elfie, Mikey? Yes. It's nothing short of fascistic. Yeah, I'm sorry. When are you supposed to text people? Okay, we've got someone who's called in. Ashley from Sydney is on the line. Ashley, do you have any experience in this realm? I do. Uh, I was an IT engineer and our boss used to time us when we went to the bathroom and we had to make up the time at the end of the day, so... Any extra minutes, even at lunch break, everything was timed oh. and we had to make that time up. So did that happen to you often that you had to stay back? Um, well, no, because I was not spending any extra minutes in that place than I had to. And they really so en- I always kept they, it pretty tight. They really enforced it, though. It was like if you... Yeah, oh. everyone. Wow. It sounds more like detention, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. But then doesn't that mean that there's a person whose job is dedicated to watching whether, like how long you go to the bathroom? Like, is he sitting outside with a stopwatch? Pretty much. Wow. He was positioned in the perfect spot. And he used to watch everything. I mean, it's giving creepy, isn't it? I'm not (laughs) sure about that one. That's very bizarre. Ashley, thank you so much for calling in with that experience. Someone else says, I think monitoring toilet breaks for services, Australia Core Centre staff, is absolutely justified. Some jobs are time sensitive. Services Australia's clients are some of the most vulnerable in our community. The people who serve them need to be timely and efficient. That's someone's opinion there. Another person says, once we had a manager who used to make all of us apprentices come in and say goodbye before leaving for the day, (laughs) and it was just an awkward rule to have in place. Yeah, it would be. Do you get a little goodnight kiss on the forehead as well? It feels like when you're a kid and it's like, come and say goodnight and give a kiss goodnight before you go to bed. Not sure about that one. I kind of get it, I'm not going to lie. It's like, (laughs) the manager is lonely, you know. (laughs) Let a man be lonely. Mikey's like, I'm enforcing that rule now, actually. I kind of like that one. We got another caller. Tex from Nam has called in. Tex, what's your experience? Hey, um, so me and my co-workers are now banned from actually talking about the Star Wars movies and where they can break. Fully... If, if uh, it starts too many arguments and everyone gets really riled up about what's considered the best one. <laughs> Wait, so th- it was getting intense, the Star Wars discussion, so intense that the boss had to say, not anymore, out of hours, not thank anymore. you. Oh, we- and <laughs> what kind of impact has that had on work morale, Tex? 
I, everyone's just become so distrustful. I've, I've fully, uh, you know, lost faith in one coworker for thinking that uh, Force Awakens is the best one. Oh, well, Texas trying to take the opportunity now on national radio to cement his position on Star Wars. But hey, that is, that is a crazy rule, but one of many that we're hearing. Uh, someone else, thank you, Tex, for calling in. Someone else says, our work banned people from heating up fish in the microwave as it stunk out the whole office. I can kind of relate to that one because sometimes that happens here. I think a bit, you know, inconsiderate to come in and heat up your tuna or something. Why are we doing that? It's affecting everyone. April says, I worked in an insurance company when I was at uni and they were the worst. I got in trouble for being two minutes late back from lunch. They timed everything, including toilet breaks, down to the second. Oh, so this does happen a lot. <sighs> Have you had any situations like this, Mikey, at, at work? Well, I actually have um, a bit of a nightmare story from recently from a friend um, who used oh. to work at a at a global tech organization, <laughs> shall we say. Oh, good. I like um, what you did there. That's safe for us. Yeah, yeah. So you worked in the retail arm of this global tech organization and essentially, you know, like many retail jobs, he had a family friends discount, mm. which was already very limited. You know, like you could only purchase up to a certain number of products a year, a quite low number of products a year with that family and friends discount. And they had a rule that if you were kind of seen to be potentially exploiting it and buying it for... Um, for someone who was not yourself, um, then they would audit you. And the way they audited you was by asking you to bring in all the products that you had <gasps> that you had supposedly bought for yourself and prove that they were currently in your ownership. So you could never give it away as a present. Or like... you, could, you could give it away as a present and then I guess ask for it back on this <laughs> on this one day of the audit. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. So many other things that are coming through. Someone says, you know, not allowed to have a drink bottle on a desk. Another person says, uh, you know, I worked at a fast food place. If there was extra chips when we made the chips, we weren't allowed to eat those extra ones. They had to go in the bin, which is seems really wasteful and bizarre. Someone here on the text line had coffee banned in a welding workshop because we might burn ourselves. <laughs> 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 seems pretty intense if you're not trusting the welders with coffee. Sorry about that. And uh, another person says, my first job we had to hand in our empty biro to get a new pen from the stationery department. Oh, <laughs> an empty biro. Just, Just to prove it. I don't it. think I've ever seen one in my life. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Look, there's so many stories coming through, but we've got to move on. Hack. It was Valentine's Day yesterday. It was, uh, yes. and I hope you had a terrific day at home, but not as good a day as the Prime Minister, it seems. He has just tweeted this. She said yes. Oh. On Triple Jack. I'm going to admit, the last thing I expected to come out of Canberra this week was a romance story amidst everything else, but so it was when we saw the news, the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese had popped the question to his partner Jody Hayden. It was a Valentine's Day event. The PM designed the ring, allegedly shared all the details. Another person sharing all the details of their Valentine's Day. Is it a bit much? A commercial disgrace or a lovely opportunity, Valentine's Day? Let me know. Or if you had a really disappointing experience, actually, there's enough space, enough time has passed since Valentine's Day where you can admit, my partner tried something and it just didn't hit. It just, it, it didn't, wasn't romantic at all. 0439757555. Now cringing, thinking of the messages that might pop through the text line with that question. 
This is The Shake-Up. I'm Dave Marchese speaking with journalists Elfie Scott and Mikey Sun. Elfie, big Valentine's fan? I'm a big Valentine's fan, but I'm not a naysayer Sounds like you are. <laughs> Shut up, Dave. <laughs> Look, um, we're like five years into a relationship now, so I think we're on like the downward slide of effort. You oh, know what I mean? Don't, but don't that being say said, that. we did go to the movies and we watched Pretty Woman, and I'll say beautiful, lovely oh, night, nice. charming night. Yeah. What do we think, Mikey? Fan of Valentine's Day? I'm coming out as a Valentine's Day apologist. You know, oh. I love love. I'm going to say it. It is, it is perhaps one of, one of the three things I love in this life. Um, I'm normally, you know, a certified cynic, but not when it comes to anything's romance. It's interesting. I was out and about on like Valentine's Day night just walking the streets and I saw so many restaurants obviously packed, people out really marking the occasion. It was nice to see. But I thought, why is it that people, you know, in this cost of living crisis are able to do this? And someone, um, one of our colleagues, Susanna said, oh, it's this whole like recession core thing where people <laughs> splurge on little things in a time of crisis. Um, where maybe they can't afford the bigger things like a holiday trip overseas. But or a music festival. Or a music <laughs> festival. And then they'll make the effort with something maybe a bit smaller, like a meal out with their loved one. What are our thoughts on the PM's proposal? And also, what are our thoughts on dating the Prime Minister? Like, what a, what a <laughs> full-on a full-on situation. It's like, oh, we're just testing if this relationship works while I accompany you to the coronation. <laughs> It's it pretty is intense. Very high yeah. Yeah. If you break up, then that's weird. If you've gotten a photo with the king or something, you know. Yeah. Did you Did you like the announcement? Thought it was done well, Mikey. I have a bit of a nuclear take here, which oh, is wow. that <laughs> I do not want to know the personal lives of any politician. Ooh, I like. How do we this. feel about this? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Like, I think unfortunately, when I saw Albo's post, I was like, and. <laughs> But do you know why? It's because I feel very cynically towards politicians sharing personal details because, to me, it's like it always just feeds into the next election cycle, right? It's inter- I was thinking about this. I was thinking if you were the partner, because there is coverage being like, oh, it's a political move, it's to get a boost in the polls or whatever. Imagine being the partner and, and reading that going, oh, what the hell? Is that <laughs> it? It is a bit brutal. Have you got a lot of, you know, messages coming through? So, someone says, my partner and I both worked the night before, slept all day and... And worked that night. We texted each other and got Maccas separately on the way home. <laughs> Actually, sounds not but too bad. Could have been worse. Someone else says, always a shit time at Valentine's, going out for dinner. As a lesbian couple, always getting looks and being judged. It's just not a good time, even in gay-friendly areas. That's really disappointing to hear. We've got other people saying, we love Valentine's Day. It's a great thing. Others saying, no, nah, I think it's a commercial mess. But hey, that is all we've got time for on The Shake Up for now. Thank you so much to the wonderful Shake Up crew, journalist, writer, Elfie Scott. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. And culture writer, producer at The Guardian, Michael Sun. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Hack on Triple J. Yeah, that's all we've got time for on The Shake Up and Hack for this week. It's been a huge one. Looking forward to another big week next week. Have a great few days. I'll catch you on the other side. See ya. Hack. Hack.